Hi, friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, Forbes columnist, spokesperson, and now author with my book now available on Amazon and everywhere books are sold. You can probably guess the name. It's also called U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, and design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and created the U-Turn Podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are and upgrade your confidence in work and love. Also, if you order a copy of your book right now, we're giving away a free bundle of courses on money mindset, on how to start a side hustle, on how to find your purpose in the workforce, and so much more. All you got to do is upload a screenshot of your receipt over at uturnbook.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N book.com. You can learn about the courses, upload your receipt, and get access to them from ordering our book right there, right now, while it's still available. Also, this episode has been brought to you by our sponsor, Organifi, my absolute favorite wellness brand out there. So if you'd like to get some of their products, just type in the code U-Turn at checkout, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N, for 20% off. You know how much I love their chocolate and vanilla protein, and I could just talk about it until I'm blue in the face. It's the ultimate healthy treat for your sweet tooth. Now let's get into this week's episode. Yeah, well, if you have different perspectives on anything, whether it's about COVID, it's about money, it's mm. about spirituality, yeah. the goal is not to agree. And I know that's really challenging because our ego wants us to think that there's one right, there's one wrong. One of us needs to concede to the <laughs> other one. And so it's it can be very confronting to be like, what? Like, we don't need to actually get to a place of agreement. But unless it's something you're specifically having to take action on together, the goal at first is not to try to agree, not to try to get one of you to see it the other person's way. Or a solution, right? A solution even. It's first, can you understand each other? Can you use that third layer of communication I talked about where you're both recognizing the need and the feeling in each other? When you both feel understood, meaning, yeah, you're feeling, your needs are acknowledged, you're connected, then and only then from that place can you start to get solution oriented Mm -hmm. and people try to do it the other way around they try to create (laughs) solution then understand connected yeah Mm -hmm. What's going on, U-Turn friends? I'm so excited to bring two people onto this show that can help us in the love category in such a big way. They have a book coming out, Erin and Jocelyn Freeman. They are incredible. They have so many topics to talk about that I almost couldn't even pick. So we're going to talk about how to keep your argument hangovers from ruining the most important relationships in your life. We're going to talk about the five different R's they have to repair conflict with your partner and just so much more about healthy conflict, unhealthy conflict. And for those of you who don't know them, they're authors of the book, The New Power Couple and The Argument Hangover, which hits the shelves in February, 2021. And they already hit number one as a new release because everybody is thirsty for this information, I'm sure, especially during quarantine. They are sought after relationship coaches and have worked with celebrity couples, public figures, 
thousands of couples around the world. And with much excitement, they launched Empowered Couples University, which is an online university where couples can unlearn, unlearn, which I mean, gosh, we've learned so much unhealthy patterns and gain modern relationship skills. So they've shared the stage with Tony Robbins. They host the Empowered Couples podcast, and they have been featured in national media for teaching couples modern practical skills and tools to work together through any life challenge, reaching almost a million people around the world. I'm going to put so much in the show notes here. They've got a couples workshop, which is sold out more than 42 times. Pretty amazing. Thank you guys both so much for being here on the show. Thank you for having us on and hello everyone. Yes, we love the love episode. So thank you for having us on. Yeah. And I was just thinking it must be really interesting to work together as a couple. I feel like that's something that people kind of aren't meaning to do, but even just cohabitating and not having an office to go to during quarantine. Have you found any hacks just kind of being in a you know partnership and working together? Oh gosh, we could definitely go down a whole thread on this. A few things, and we even talk about this as like just a side note, but we even talk about this in our book is we really started to understand each other's communication personality types Hmm. because we're actually, as much as we have a lot in common, we also are different energetically. I am more assertive. He's a bit more reserved, thoughtful, (laughs) you know, reflects before he really initiates. And so we used to get into power struggles just about our different energies that we bring to conversations. And so I think the biggest thing was really learning how to communicate about what we have going on in the business and, and not yeah. trying to make each other how we want. Well, you know, it's so be. funny, you know, for all the audience members, you think getting into a relationship, you are drawn to all the things that you kind of have opposite to one another. That's what draws you to them. And at some point you subtly switch to trying to get them to be more like you, right? <laughs> in their communication style in how they speak to you. And it was really powerful for us to get. That's not an area for us to try to change one another. But if we recognize what our personality types are in communication, we just operate much smoother. We have more grace for one another. And I think that's been one of the biggest hacks that being a romantic partner and business partner. I love that. I think first, you know, not, and I, I think that's like such sage knowledge, not trying to change the other person, which is so much easier said than done. I know What you guys touched on is what I have with my partner, William. So I can't help but ask because I assume there's so many people listening who have this, which is power struggles. I think every relationship, it's kind of like pick your poison. Like what's your bag of shit that you're going to deal with, with your partner and how can you heal it, recover from it, work through it and, you know, and navigate it and choose each other still if you're the right fit. And so William and I are very much the same way. He needs time to think about things. I'm decisive. I always feel like I'm in a waiting room waiting for his decision. And it feels almost like a control thing where it's like mm-hmm. I'm, he gets to control our future because he always needs more time to choose it. And so yeah. I'm kind of in this waiting. So I'm curious also with that dynamic, and you guys can correct me on this, but on that same note, there's that dynamic of, I think, what is it called? Like the turtle versus the lion or whatever. You can correct me where there's usually one person that wants to talk more about something. And then there's the other person that wants to go in their shell. Like, what are some uh, thoughts that you have for anybody listening who really resonated with what you said, like I did about power struggles? 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and I love that this is coming up because what really helped us was understanding what we put in there about the four types. So you can actually start to place yourself. Are you more assertive or are you more reserved? And we give a lot more detail to this. We even give like a little mini questionnaire so you can self-assess where you fall on this. And if you are the more assertive one and your partner is the more reserved one, what you can feel like is exactly what you said. They kind of get to control when the conversation is going to happen. The reserved partner though, on the other hand, can feel dominated at times. And so it's not again about changing each other, but we, we give a bunch of different kind of hacks or tips, but one of them is to actually, I give Aaron a warning if there's something I want to talk about. So I'm like, Hey, this is something that's coming up for me, whether it's a business related conversation or it's about our romantic partnership. And I'll say, I, I want to give you enough time to think about it if you need to ahead of time. Do you feel like tonight would be okay or is tomorrow be better for you? That, as simple as it seems, has been a game changer. I mean, Aaron, wouldn't you say it's helpful to have you pre-think about things? Yeah, for sure. Even I feel more prepared when the conversation does come about. And I can speak to all my reserved friends here. A lot of times I would say, not even control, we feel pressured. Yes. We feel pressured to say what we think, to make a decision. And all that pressure doesn't make it easier to make a decision. I more so could get flustered. And for a lot of men that I speak to, also say, not only do they not know what they're feeling, but they don't have the words for it yet. So if I don't have the words, I'm feeling pressure to really talk. It just shuts me down more. So one thing I learned as a reserve type is that I have to at least speak up a little bit. And um, Ashley, let us know if this is something you've been able to maybe implement with your partner. But as a reserve person, if I say, hey, you know what? I don't have an answer for you right now, but I do want to come back together. That's better than me just saying nothing or like looking out the window while we're driving down the street. Or I'm like, not sure, you know, I'm not, I don't know right now. Yeah, like totally pausing the conversation. I further the conversation just by saying, hey, you know, I don't really know yet. And I want to get to a resolution with you in the future. I'd even add on to that because going back to how the assertive partner can feel is isolated. You know, you even kind of spoke to it in different words, like I'm on my own here and being in the mm -hmm. unknown here, Where, like I'm kind of waiting. And so what's also helpful is rather than it being open-ended where Aaron's just like, we'll come back to it at some point, mm -hmm. we have a buy when. And yeah. so we'll say, Hey, can we return to this in a week? Like, when can we set an appointment, you know, so that Tonight? we can come back to this? Ashley's like, no, like in an hour. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, that's probably everybody, right? Is like when, and I love that tool that you're recommending of like, Hey, I want to talk about this. I'm going to respect and honor who you are by giving you some space in advance to kind of think about it. And what comes up is like, let's say that somebody's doing that. What happens when, I think once you get into that conversation, maybe it's the assertive person, maybe it's not, it always ends up being so much more than the thing. For example, yes. I am very rigid about my bedtime and I know wherever there's real rigidity, a lot of the times there's a wound and something for us to look at, you know, why we're not being a little more flexible. I just get really tired. It feels like I was like tranquilized after like 10, 15 and my eyes can't stay open. And it really bums William out because he wants me to stay up and watch this thing with him or whatever. And it's funny because the conversation about my bedtime wasn't about my bedtime. It was about, you know, do you care about my well-being and this and that and becomes all of this stuff. So I'm curious what wisdom you would have for people who are kind of in that dynamic where 
it's not about, you know, I, I remember my friend said her parents divorced um, after this huge fight they had over the paint color of the house. And I'm like, well, it's definitely not about the paint color of the house. So curious what your guys' feedback would be for something like that. I know a lot of people are facing those realities. Oh my gosh. Okay. Do you have three hours right now? Yeah. <laughs> there's I mean, so yeah. many direct, there's so many directions and, and thank you for opening up your relationship. I would say that as a couple, you want to get better and better at being great listeners. And we actually go into the three types of listening. And there's actually the first type is not hearing at all, which is where our partner can say something like, you know, I, I want to go to bed at 10, 15, you know, why won't you go to bed? And the partner listening could go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm staying up. So they're not really listening at all. That's the first stage. The mm -hmm. second stage is just hearing. It's kind of like, okay, I got it. You want to go to bed? Good night. But in a way it can feel dismissive. It can feel almost like there's something wrong. There's some judgment there. And so the third level, which is where all people should aim to be in the relationship is what we call actual listening, which is even if you don't agree, even if you don't completely under like understand what it's like to be them, you still seek to make the person feel understood. So rather than just being like, okay, I got it. Fine. It's, Hey, okay. It sounds like it's important to you for your well being to go to sleep at 10 15 and, and you also want to have quality time. All right, how can we fit that in together? Aaron, anything more you want to add to that? Well, no, that was a good point. So often, like you're saying, Ashley, it's like, oh, I want to stay up or stay up with me. And you're like, no, I want to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So there is a positive intent. Want to be more connected, let's say. We usually see the one activity that we're asking our partner to do as the only route to fulfill on that. You have to stay up and watch this with me for me to feel connected. But when you're really listening and you say back to your partner, Hey, I understand that you really want to feel more connected or feel prioritized. How else can we do that? That opens up a conversation for an infinite amount of ways to do that. It's not just this one particular thing that we think we're asking our partner for, like staying up. It's like, okay, I want to be connected with you as well. How can we do that tomorrow? What's a good time for that? What time in the morning? How about in the afternoon? Do you want to go on a trip, right? There's so many opportunities if you just look at it from what is it that we're desiring here and then the opportunities are infinite to fulfill on that. Yeah. Behind almost any communication is actually a need or a feeling trying to be communicated. You know, we communicate often so logically and in a way superficially, but it's like, what is the need or feeling my partner's communicating here? Mm, I absolutely love this. And it's, it's a good reminder that we're all usually going for the same thing. Okay. So this is perfect because this just brings me right into my biggest questions for you guys about healthy versus unhealthy conflict. Um, I know that, you know, it's interesting having been with William for almost two years now, uh, it, I haven't really had a power struggle thing with a partner. Like he's a very strong person. I'm a very strong person. And so that's, what's translating here, but this is kind of new for me. So I know that there's many different ways that people face conflict. And I'd be so curious to hear from you guys. What are some ways that look unhealthy versus healthy? Well, and I love this. And before I get into the how-to, I want to just share from a heart level, I had to really go to work to change my beliefs about love and relationships and especially conflict because just briefly, and I'm sure some of the listeners will resonate, my parents went through a very intense divorce. I went from seeing them madly in love, best friends, everyone said, I want a relationship like you to all of a sudden divorce court 
you know, yelling, name calling, all the things. And so as a kid, I was like, how is this possible? And so what it did is, I mean, it did a lot of unconscious programming for me, but one of the things was I started to see conflict as bad. Conflict means something's wrong and a relationship's ending. And so I repeated a lot of their unconscious styles of communicating, kind of withholding communications, then blowing up on them. And I resisted conflict. I would feel guilty about it, judge it. Please don't leave me. Like, this doesn't mean something's wrong with us. And on the other hand, Aaron, I hope you don't mind me speaking for you, but <laughs> he grew up in a house where he never saw conflict. I mean, his his dad, his mom would go into a, an entirely different room, didn't show that emotion. So the two of us got together and he had a, you know what the, the thing to do is, is retreat. Shut down, get quiet, retreat. Mine was, you know, this is bad. We need to deal with this now. We, you know, so we had different ways of, of handling it. So before we get into the how-to, it's important that you as the listener go, what are my beliefs about conflict? Do I see it as bad? And we, one of our intentions for the book, The Argument Hangover. Something to avoid. Yeah, something to avoid is to change the way people perceive unhealthy, of course, we don't want unhealthy conflict, but to change it so that people can see the actual benefit and there's gold in healthy conflict. That's where innovation happens. That's where creativity, that's where you can get to a new level of intimacy, empathy, empathy, understanding each other. And so we want people to distinguish, you're not trying to avoid healthy conflict. Mm -hmm. You're trying to minimize and unlearn unhealthy conflict. So Aaron, do you want to share some distinctions between the two? I always like to think of analogies. I like painting a picture. So to me, it's not that conflict happens or it doesn't. I think I saw it in the beginning to minimize the amount of times that we got into a conflict or that we saw things differently, but that's like an impossible expectation. So it's really that when a difference of opinion comes up, you start to feel emotion that the actions that you start to take either have you be on opposite sides. So picture like getting into a boxing match. So now you're like squaring off against each other. You're mm -hmm. on different sides. And then when, as soon as that happens, you're arguing about the specifics, the logic. Oh, I didn't see the event that go that way. No, that's not what you said. No, that's not how that went. That's not what I meant. So immediately you're on different sides. Healthy conflict is where you take the actions to get on the same side together, looking at the conflict which is the only way you can get down the path to realizing what is the lesson? What is the goal? What is the opportunity for us here? That's the only way you can see it being on the same side rather than pacing off against each other. And one thing I'll add, and then I love your questions is that healthy conflict is where you minimize the damage to each other, mm -hmm. which then shortens the argument hangover period as we talk about, and we haven't even def defined that yet. We can go into that. And so your goal is to minimize the actions and the things you would say and do during the conflict that cause the most damage towards each other. Yeah. It's so interesting. Just listening to you guys. I'm like, wow, this is again, like with love, it's so much easier said than done. Like I've been doing personal development for over a decade now, and I have all of these communication tools that I often use. And yet my human comes out so many times in my partnership. It's such a close connection in our lives, a romantic partnership that touches on so many parts of us. And so I'm noticing that, you know, you talk about the argument hangover, which I would love to talk about. And I also think to myself, yeah, we want to minimize the damage. Of course, when we're not activated, that's the intention. 
But when you don't feel seen, when you don't feel loved, when you don't feel met, it's like, you know, there's the anxious partner who's going to start to get really upset. And, you know, and then there's maybe the avoidant partner who's going to shut down. It's like, mm-hmm. how do we, do you have any tips for somebody who's in the heat of an argument where if they don't listen to anything on this podcast, but this one tip, it would really help them minimize the damage if they can manage to do it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure you heard this even from like Chris Voss when you interviewed him before, or people talking about emotional intelligence. It's really just about creating a break from the automatic pattern running that's associated with the emotion that you're feeling. And and so often it's just automatic. We don't have to think about it. As you said, for those that are reactive, it's probably some phrase that you use. It might have an absolute in it, like you always or you never. Yeah. And that only has your partner get defensive. So any way you can create a little bit of a break between the thoughts that you're having, the emotions that elicit before you go ahead and just take that automatic action. So whether that's just pausing, whether that's like taking a deep breath, a couple of breaths, you just have to create space between that automatic pattern. And then you can kind of at least, you know, take some of the skills from the book or from anywhere in your podcast here, and then choose something different that's going to lead to you getting back on the same page rather than once again, like being against each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I have such a graceful relationship with William, but when these things come up, one way that we've broken the pattern is, and I don't know what you would think about this, but it's just naming it's there, like the bedtime thing, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to bring up my bedtime. I'm afraid we're going to get in a power struggle. Let's not do it. You know, like even naming that we have these patterns, um, or maybe we start a conversation and I can feel it going there. Like, uh Oh, I can feel this going into our power struggle thing. Can, what can we do right now to slow this down? Um, like little things like that. Would you say that by that point, it's kind of a lost cause for us. It's been working. Uh, no, I think that's right. I think there's a piece I would just add, and it does have a part to do with the five R's, which is the five R steps to repair from a conflict. And you could even, you know, notice for yourself the three stages you might be in, right? seems obvious, but there's like before the conflict happens and there's things you can do to sort of prevent. There's during a conflict, which is going to, as Jocelyn said, keep it from escalating and you're ideally wanting to shorten the argument, hang over period. And then there's after, like how you actually repair. But to your question, I would say, if you just share what your positive intent is, or what your commitment is to your partner in that moment, I think that adds that piece to get them on the same page with you, on the same side. So to your example, hey, this sounds like it's the bedtime thing again. I'm nervous it's going to cause another conflict. But I am committed that we are more connected and you feel prioritized. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, just by sharing your commitment or your positive intent, it brings your partner on your side so that you can look at this challenge called my bedtime and you can look at it together. Yeah, totally. I love that. I love stating a positive intention. And that kind of takes that pause that you were talking about. I want to ask you guys a little bit about the before the conflict. Like um, I know Jocelyn, you'd shared this idea of saying, Hey, I want to talk to you about this. Like, let me know when's a good time for you kind of a thing. Um, are there a couple other things that you guys would recommend for people to consider before they enter that conversation, whatever it is? 
Yeah. If you feel like there's a topic you want to bring up that could be triggering, that could be sensitive, that in the past turned into a conflict and you want to prevent that, again, going back to the communication personality types, if one of you is more assertive and the other is more reserved, go on a walk. As simple as that sounds, when you're side by side with each other and you're moving forward, it feels less like a battle. And Mm -hmm. that works really well for both of us. If there's, and so it works for both the assertive and the reserved partner to feel like movement is happening, to not feel like you're facing off with each other. And when you're outside and you're seeing, you know, buildings and lights and everything like that, it, feels less significant, whatever you're talking about. And if there's been a, like, let's say a conflict would always happen in your bedroom. Don't bring it up in there. You know, environment (laughs) is really important. And so try not to bring it up in the same environment that that disagreement happened before. I mean, there's so much with the before stage, definitely sharing the positive intent is powerful, but I think body movement and environment is also really important and selective. And also one more that came to mind is you don't want to blindside your partner. Mm. So you don't want to walk into a room. They just got done with a meeting or they're cooking dinner and you're like, Hey, I need to talk to you about finances. And you know, it was a sensitive subject and you just start to go right into it. It's, Hey, there's a topic I want to bring up. It's, you know, finances. I don't want it to go the way it normally does. Is now a good time? Or would you prefer to sit down later tonight after the kids go to bed? If you have children, it's, being more conscious of when and how you bring up the conversations. Mm, It's so timing is just every, you know, it's like, even in things that I think timing isn't the thing, it is the thing. So I'm happy that you guys are reminding us of the importance of timing. And I want to hear a little bit about what is an argument hangover and do you think that these are common? Like what, what, how does this play into a lot of couples? in the world right now. Oh my gosh, I love it. If you think about even the name, right? Argument hangover. Well, we know most people have experienced some sort of hangover, whether it's a food hangover after Thanksgiving or some other time of lots of desserts or maybe an alcohol hangover. In that period, right? You have low energy. You may feel disappointed. You may regret some of the actions that you took. And in the same way in your relationship, it can be very similar. So there's a period of time after you have a conflict where you feel very disconnected from your partner. You may feel hurt by some of the things they said. You may feel some regret or guilt for the things that you said or things that you did. And so there's now a period of time after all that happens that you're just disconnected. And for some people, you don't even feel like you want to get back together with them. You don't want to reconcile. Or I know often for me, it's like, it was their fault. It was not my fault. They should be the ones to reconcile with me. So the argument hangover is that period of time of that disconnection, but that can last for some people a few hours, days, weeks, months. I mean, with the coaching that we do with couples, we've come across some argument hangovers around topics that have gone for years. And it really ends not when someone says, I am sorry, because if that's the only thing you're doing to repair, that can usually lose its meaning and its value but the argument hangover ends when you fully repair emotionally Mm. and it's only at that point does an i'm sorry or an apology like really make a difference after you've fully acknowledged the emotion and also what came to mind is 
that a lot of people will just try to brush things under the rug. Oh, you know, let's just get past it. They got busy. They got distracted. Other things came up. So really it's right beneath the surface to surprise you in any moment. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we see a lot of couples in a way, just kind of trying to step over it. Oh, just don't bring up that elephant in the room or <laughs> just don't bring up that thing. We, we never really circled back to it. We said, I'm sorry. It's right beneath the surface. And if those continue to build up and add up over time, that's when real resentment gets built and resentment can feel very challenging to repair. And again, it'll just surprise you. Conflicts will just come up out of nowhere. Wow. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting just listening to you guys. Another thing that's coming up for me is just the thought of um, one area that I think there's just a chronic hangover for so many couples right now is COVID, like different standards around their health and what makes them feel safe. I know that there's so many couples in horrible fights and agony around, you know, one not wanting to go to a large family gathering, one does like do you have any tips for people during this time right now, as your book is coming out that are struggling with this kind of chronic thing that will probably definitely have a hangover? Yeah. Well, if you have different perspectives on anything, whether it's about COVID, it's about money, it's mm. about spirituality, yeah. the goal is not to agree. And I know that's really challenging because <laughs> our ego wants us to think that there's one right, there's one wrong. One of us needs to concede to the <laughs> other one. And so it's it can be very confronting to be like, what? Like, we don't need to actually get to a place of agreement. But unless it's something you're specifically having to take action on together, the goal at first is not to try to agree, not to try to get one of you to see it the other person's way. Or a solution, right? A solution even. It's first, can you understand each other? Can you use that third layer of communication I talked about where you're both recognizing the need and the feeling in each other? When you both feel understood, you're meaning, yeah, you're feeling, your needs are acknowledged, you're connected, then and only then from that place can you start to get solution-oriented. Mm -hmm. And people try to do it the other way around. They try to create <laughs> solution, then understand. Once you're in that place of understanding, that place of true connection, then it goes, okay, from our, and this would be a completely different topic from our previous book, but about from our vision, what's important to us as a couple, which solutions are most aligned for us? And that's where it's a we decision as well. It's not what I prefer to do for COVID, what you prefer to do for COVID, what is best for us as a team, which is a completely different consciousness, right? There's thinking it just at the level of I, or there's thinking at the level of we. Mm -hmm. Love that. Hey, U-Turners, I have a quick but important interruption here. I want to thank Organifi, as always, for sponsoring this podcast episode and just encourage you to check out their site and consider treating yourself to some of their products that have been such a game changer for my health. They just gave us an even bigger discount code at 20% off when you type in the code U-Turn at checkout. And I've been particularly obsessed with Organifi's Pure product. The Pure powder is tasteless but powerful, full of 
of superfood ingredients to help your gut and your mind stay healthy, such as probiotics, lion's mane, aloe vera, ginger extract, to name a few. I put the pure powder in my coffee and it's been helping me stay healthy during these really weird times that we're all in. So if you're looking to easily up your immunity and dodge whatever germs are floating in the air, the pure powder at Organifi is it. Just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And don't forget to type in your U-turn code at checkout for 20% off pure. Now let's get back to this week's episode. I, I know that this particular situation in a pandemic is a little bit different given that like one person's choice could impact the other person's, what would feel like maybe their boundaries. Like, you know, cause I think in normal circumstances, whatever normal means, we might say, okay, well, I don't want to go to that party cause there's too many people. So you just go to that party, but we're in this like weird vortex where somebody else's choices affect you. Do you have any like conversation starters or solutions that you've been hearing your clients or people in your online programs do with COVID um, I love the mindset that you're sharing of like, what is our stance on this? And I know there's a lot of case by case basis situations of like, it's Christmas and should we see these people or stuff like that? Um, is there anything else just to take this one further? Cause I know it's so present for anybody listening right now. Well, I mean, for me, I think it's understanding the why or the driver behind any of the activities. And if we just start to interact with our partner not so much about the activities, but like what the driver is, I think it just opens up a whole different kind of conversation. One that you get more understanding about one another. You, when you start to see it from your partner's perspective, it's, you feel more connected to them. So for me, it's just going from focusing on activities like going to a Christmas party or going to a restaurant or going out at all, or, you know, leave, you know, we had a couple that the one partner didn't even want to leave the the house whatsoever. And, and that does, that energy does impact the other partner because he wanted to be out. Um, for him, a basic human need was connection with other people. So, I mean, it can be difficult, but if you just get beyond the activity and say, well, why is that important to you? I think it just starts to open up, again, the energy that both of you are in our, our connection. And that's always the better place to, you know, find a solution or find a different activity than the one that you're pursuing to try to fulfill on that why. And to take that even another level to be more tactical, if you do get to the place of understanding, as we both have talked about, and you're still like, well, wait, are we going to the party or not yeah. then? <laughs> is to sometimes we'll have to do just a score system on a scale of one to 10. How important is this to you? And if one partner, it is a 10 out of 10 importance that you don't go because it's going to give you more anxiety. You're going to be more afraid than, and the other person's like, all right, going to the party is really like a six to me. Then we would use that score out of it. Okay. The person who's higher, we're going to do what's what they mm-hmm. choose. So we use the scoring system. Uh, one, if we really can't figure out a solution that we feel is, I guess, a blend of the two of ours, then we would just use the score system. Mm, you know, William and I use that and it is the, like anybody who's listening right now, if you guys have not used a one through 10 rating scale, that shit changes your relationship. Like (laughs) because there's so many times, like we use this on Sunday this week. We, I wanted to go look at a house by the beach 
And we're just like slowly house hunting. And I said, I want to go. And he was like, all right, well, how bad do you want to go? And I'm like, I want to go like a seven. What about you? He's like, oh, like a two. I'm like, all right, let's not go. So it's it's just so funny to use this. And, and another thing I want to ask you about, obviously, is your five R's. Um, can you take me a little bit into what are those? And how do you even know when you're officially in an argument hangover that needs addressing? Well, and um, Jocelyn, you can start in on that path. There was one more thing I wanted to say to that because I think it's pretty important about the, uh, we call it it's the rank of priority game, you know, the scoring system. What's interesting is I really do feel like that can be used for like 50% or more of potential conflicts. And the thing is, and I found this for myself, is something as simple as like where to eat or what Netflix show to watch. Like I found myself in certain uh, circumstances like arguing as if it was a 10 for me, you know, like, no, I want to watch that show. And then just by asking each other the score, I realized for myself, oh, you know what? This is actually like a two for me, but I was arguing like it was a 10. Yes. And so a lot of times when we're talking about Netflix, when we're talking about where to eat, it's not always about that, right? It's about places within the relationship that you haven't felt your opinion has been heard or you don't feel as valued. So what you're really arguing about or fighting for is that feeling once again. And so just to bring some awareness to like, yeah, this is not that important of a topic for me. I don't know why I was fighting like it was a 10. So yes, that gives you a solution for this moment, but it also opens up something else for you to say, what's still there for me that I was fighting like this was a 10. And that's either another place to, uh, you know, have more self-awareness and then even share that with your partner. I also wanted to say too, because I found it interesting if I heard you correctly, that he was a two and you were a seven. So you didn't end up going. Is that the case? Hmm. Yeah. I was like, ah, like not wanting to go is so much more torturesome than wanting to go. So I just kind of was like, I don't want to drag him out of the house today. That was my mindset. Okay. Interesting. So this is where it can even be perceived differently. And there isn't a right or wrong. There's just what's right for everybody's relationship. We would, as long as it feels balanced, like we're not always doing, you know, it can't be one partner who's always like, it's a nine, it's a nine, it's a nine for every single thing. So if it's somewhat balanced in, Hey, there's times where it's a higher number for him. And there's times where it's a higher number for me, we would actually do the thing where it's higher for the one partner. So in our relationship, if you, if I was the seven and he was the two, we probably would go. Mm, See, so it's interesting to hear what you're saying. It's like, everybody has a different system on what they do, but at least this rating scale slows it down. I also love what Aaron was saying. Like we do kind of find ourselves arguing for things. And then when we check in with her and I've actually literally done that Aaron, where I'm like, we should watch this. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I don't actually care that much. If we watch this TV show at all, it's so funny. Like the way that we kind of get caught up in being right. Um, Mm -hmm. so I love what you're sharing just in general. And I love that you guys have your own kind of system with this. I mean, if anybody takes anything away from this podcast, this rating scale has been such a game changer. Like William and I do it all the time and we laugh because we think it's so silly. Um, And we'll do it over everything. Like, where do you want to go to dinner? I want to go here. I want to go here. Okay. Well, how bad do you want to go there? 10? Oh, okay. Like, let's just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's fine. Well, the, but, no, the funny, the funny thing you mentioned too, it's like, you got to be honest about it. Right. So like, I can't come into every one of these scoring systems and always being a 10, <laughs> like everything is not exactly. a 10 for me. So I got to really be honest with myself too. Yeah, exactly. Well, and I think that that's what 
has been kind of like another step is really kind of asking those questions and not pulling like that special 10 card unless you have to. <laughs> okay, so, so the five R's to repair. I know number one is reflect. And I, I don't know if this statistic is accurate, but I read somewhere that 85% of the population is not self-aware, meaning that they don't reflect or ask questions about their role in something um, or how they're co-creating. Whether that's true or not, that felt really st staggering to me. What does it really mean or look like to reflect when you are in an argument hangover? And and is there a certain period where it's like, okay, this is a small hangover. We don't really need to do that much work on this one. Yeah, well, we would have a whole other topic. We actually give the distinction between a blip and something that actually is important. <laughs> so there are moments where it is just a blip. Someone had a hard day. They The meeting didn't go well. And so they were a little bit short, you know, at dinner. Um, maybe they weren't as being as kind. Okay, that's a blip. Maybe you don't need to start an argument over that. So we do, that'd be a whole other conversation, but we have a way to distinguish what's a blip versus what's something that's really important and should be addressed. But to your point, and the reason we give the five R's right before I explain the first and the second one is like Aaron said a while ago, I'm sorry, it really doesn't complete things. It, it's yeah. kind of like, okay, you're sorry, but did you really get the lesson? Like, how can we prevent this from happening next time? Or are you going to change any actions? Yes, anything. That's kind of really what we want to know, right? Right. We want to know something's going to be different. We want to know that the partner truly sees the impact Mm -hmm. of what happened in that disagreement or what caused it. And so that's why the five R's to truly repair are so important. And so the first one is to reflect. And I love what you said, because so many people do step over this, but we think that there's gold in reflecting. And in that reflect stage, you can be reflecting on either what, you know, maybe triggered the disagreement was it something that could have been prevented? Was there something you were ignoring or stepping over? Expectations. Certain expectations that you had and you didn't vocalize them. There's uh, uh, there's importance and power in really identifying like what were some of the things that led up to this? Mm -hmm. And then in the second step is where you take responsibility for your part. Because responsibility is not just blame. It isn't saying, and you're the only one responsible. You caused this whole thing. It's going, I had the ability to respond in this situation. That's what we like to say with responsibility is the ability to respond. And so it's looking, was I not speaking that kindly? Did I break an agreement that we have? Did I say that thing that I know rubs them the wrong way? Anything mm -hmm. you want to add there? Well, I just want to add that these first two steps are what you do on your own. So if we're talking about the post-conflict and how to repair specifically your argument hangover, these first two steps you do on your own. So we like that because the transition into coming back together and the third step being reconnect, what you do is you physically get back together in this third step, but you first start with sharing where you see you can take responsibility. Hmm. Again, you're not most of the time, what people are really wanting when they come back together is, okay, I'm standing here next to you. And are you going to admit what you did? Like, it's, it's so often what we're waiting for. But as a true leader in your life, in, with your partner, with anybody, if you can reconnect by sharing, hey, I noticed where I can take responsibility for what I said and for the impact that it had, then all of a sudden, you're not taking blame. You're not feeling shame for it. 
and you're really allowing the other person to be more at ease. And so you reconnect by sharing where you're taking responsibility. And often what happens, because we have mirror neurons and different things like that, when your partner feels understood and validated and you took responsibility, they often will then share, oh, well, you know what? I also see that I did this and I can take responsibility for how I said it and the tone I had. So often your partner will share their responsibility, but be a leader and be one willing to go first. And then they usually follow suit. And the reconnect stage, what's really important is that you don't wait too long for this to happen. Of course, you're giving yourself plenty of time to do the reflection, to look at where you want to take responsibility, but sometimes our ego will keep us disconnected for days. You know, like we said, weeks we've talked to people because that ego part of us is like waiting for the other one. So (laughs) you want to set the goal of, I even ask myself this sometimes, how much life do I want to lose being disconnected? Like how much life am I willing to give up? just kind of like digging my heels in the ground and not being the one to initiate reconnection. There's times after a disagreement that I don't want to hug him. (laughs) I don't want to just, you know, have dinner and everything like that. But I set aside that ego part of me that wants to be separated, that wants to be uh, distant and instead like follow more of what my heart would want to do, which is I want to repair this. So that Mm. reconnect stage is important ASAP. Then the next step. Well, Ashley, anything you want to add before we go four and five? Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I feel like reflecting can sometimes be hard. It's like, it's hard to read the label when you're inside the jar, you know, like some people might be very stuck in a story of like, I'm right. And this person's not seeing it. And they're, I feel so clean in my rightness that it's like, um, I don't even see where I could have done a better job. You know, like sometimes a fight is just a wash and it's kind of like, okay, I, I don't think they're getting it. And so, so what do you say for somebody who, I don't know. It's like struggling to properly reflect. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Did you have something right then? Oh, well, I mean, the thing that came to mind is I think just getting that wherever you got to the things that were said, the conflict that happened, it wouldn't have happened if your partner was talking to a wall. It wouldn't have happened if your partner was talking to a friend. So I think you have to just get that this turned into a conflict or it turned into what it did because you were a part of it. So you have to let go of the original cause of the disagreement. And that's usually where we get latched on. Like, oh, I'm right about what caused it or the logic around that, where really you got to step back and say, well, take responsibility for the role that you did play in the conflict escalating the way that it did. And there's always something for you to look for. Hey, Jocelyn, I realized even if I'm not agreeing with the source, it's like, I know my tone got really harsh and I want to take responsibility that I could have had a softer tone and I really didn't come together with you from a place of, of kindness and compassion. Yeah. And even sometimes people are listening and they're like, okay, but I didn't blaze into the room and, you know, kind of spark this disagreement. So really what is there for me to look at? Mm. The, I believe that a place of power is to always search for the lesson in ourselves. Like that's just the kind of motto I've taken on. I want to seek for every piece of gold and every lesson in, in a situation. So even if I feel like he quote unquote started something or it was something he was upset about and how he acted, I can look at, all right, well, could I have prevented it? Was there a way I was kind of like just expecting things to be a certain way? Could I have gotten curious ahead of time? Hmm. Could I have checked in on him to make sure that like, I'll give you one um, intimacy. 
sometimes uh, conversations that would turn into disagreements, maybe not, you know, huge escalated ones, but disagreements was when I wasn't feeling fulfilled in our intimacy. And so I can look at for myself, well, where was I not initiating or where did I not ask him if he was satisfied? satisfied in the intimacy. So I think we can always look for the gold at like, is there even one thing I could have done differently to either prevent it altogether or prevent it from getting escalated? Love this. And intimacy is, I mean, that's like a whole nother episode. I would love to ask you guys so many questions about intimacy. Cause I know that that's well, well, actually, you know what, while we're here, what would you say are the top three most common areas of disconnect for couples. Would you say that you can, is that obscuring it? Or do you think that it's possible to kind of pinpoint the top few that you hear about the most? Okay. A couple that come to mind and Aaron, I'll see if yours are the same or different. Definitely intimacy. And you know, each partner's needs, desires, even unconscious. Like sometimes I'm not aware of like, if I haven't felt like that bucket has been full, I'll be a little bit more sensitive. I'll be a little bit more short. And I'm not even sometimes aware of it until I go, Oh wait, why am I being this way? Okay. Here's why. Mm -hmm. So intimacy is a big one. And then roles and responsibilities, whether that's house roles, money roles, uh, children kind of feeling as if there's an imbalance in the roles and responsibilities is a big one. And then what else do you think? Well, yeah, just with that, you know, sometimes because there's a traditional role sharing, there's more of like a equalitarian. And a lot of times we default to what we saw our parents do or something about society. And I think a lot of people get into relationships and don't really look like as far as our roles, how do we want to be? Are, are we more traditional? Are we conventional? Are we equal, equalitarian? So that's just a good conversation. But to answer your question, it's not so much an area, but I just wanted to say, I think what it comes down to a lot of times is how they talk to each other and it's much more subtle. So it's over a period of time. If one partner feels the other has been more critical or more judgmental, and it's just in the little things that they might say back and forth to each other, right? It might not cause a conflict in the moment, but the way you say something, the tone that you had, I find that for a lot of couples that seems to build up where they're just naturally feeling disconnected or dishonored or disrespected. And I think what's one of the the major areas. Ooh, a good one kind of coming off of that is even during this quarantine time where people are around each other a lot more, what's really interesting is people feeling as though they're frustrated by this roommate feeling. It's like, Oh, who am I for you now? Like, all I am is your roommate, you know, like you don't desire me as much. Yeah. It's all about, (laughs) it's all about the kids. One we hear from men a lot is like, I'm not as important anymore. It's like, it's all about the kids now. Mm. Or, you know, for females, sometimes it can be about career. It's like, it's all about your career. Like, am I important anymore? Do you desire me as much? Like you don't initiate as much. And so there can be this push pull for, not wanting to be like roommates and it can be this disagreement, but here's what's interesting. And I love that we get a front row seat to like, we actually get to watch a lot of disagreements. Of course we intervene, but I, (laughs) I honestly feel super honored that people feel safe and trust us to kind of put down their guard. and, And we do hold space for those disagreements to go differently. But one that's really common is you know, they'll be sharing their experience of not feeling as important, not feeling as desired, or, you know, like, gosh, I'm just your roommate, but they take it personally. 
And so it turns into a disagreement because they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm doing the best I can. Like, don't you see me? I'm doing all of this, this, and this, and it's never enough for you. Mm-hmm. That's a big, you know, triggered emotion there. And so basically I'm just saying it, a lot of times it can be this almost dissatisfaction with just the energy in the relationship. Well, just even putting a category to it. It's largely that a couple feels they're in a functional relationship rather than moving into a healthy or we say at the top level, a truly empowered couple. Yeah. Yeah. What comes to mind to me is like a friend calling me being like, he wants me to clean his house, make his food, change this baby's diaper and give him a blowjob. Like, is he kidding mm. me? Like, and I, <laughs> that's, that's kind of encompassing what I'm hearing. It's, it's funny. You guys were saying like, you know, you guys intervene. I'm sure there's probably some couples where maybe it's even harder to intervene and find like a good spot to intervene because it can get these topics can get so heated and every single one you talked on, I was like, I think that pretty much summarizes like anything I've ever gone through with William is like, mm. you know, just like us having a puppy and like, I've been walking him every morning and like, can you help? Yeah. Me? I mean, you're, you guys are spot on, obviously clearly have been coaching a lot of couples. And then, so we talked about reflecting and you, number two being responsibility. I think you guys kind of touched on this one, but is there anything to share for people who are listening to this episode who, because it feels like taking responsibility or figuring out your responsibility, that's all part of reflecting, right? Yeah. They're like side-by-side steps. Like in that reflection, Mm -hmm. you're taking responsibility. Then there was reconnect. Then to finish the last two is to remind. Mm. And this is where you're reminding each other of your commitment to each other. So again, rather than just being like, I'm sorry, you can go, I'm, I'm really committed that we have the type of partnership where we're both understood. I'm committed Mm -hmm. to more love and more connection between us. I'm committed that we both feel that we walk the dog equally. Yeah. I'm committed that you feel like I'm a team member. So you want to remind your partner of your commitment. And then you can also remind each other of your agreements. And we have a whole section on this in the book of like different agreements you can create for times of conflict and how to write them and how to hold each other accountable for them. But you can remind each other of your agreements. Hey, I realize I broke an agreement around mm-hmm. not raising my voice. I'm recommitting to not raising my voice in the future. Yeah, it's a really powerful. And then do you want to share the last step? Yeah, the last one is reconcile. So in accounting, right, it's like you reconcile your profit and loss or your you know, income statement. In this case, what we want to do is reconcile the conflict into the opportunity that it is. Mm-hmm. So notice how we really have moved all along these steps here. And you should now at this point be feeling like connected, both of you feeling understood and validated. So the last real step is to reconcile why this happened and what the greater benefit for you in your relationship is. And often one place that we look is all along, we were focusing on something that was, that we didn't want, that we didn't desire, but we can reconcile it into what was this showing us that we do now want. We want more love and connection and intimacy. We want more sharing and collaboration and partnership, or this happened so that we came and, you know, Jocelyn and I being business partners too, often, these conflicts show us, you know, new ways to go about our business and new ways for us to reach couples with these tools. And so there's always a way to look at the conflict into the opportunity that is. And we think that truly completes the circle. It closes the loop on a conflict where you can now start to see all challenges as a benefit. And when you're in the middle of one, just say, oh, we just haven't yet gotten to the reconcile period. And we know this is ultimately going to be a benefit for us. And then just kind of closing it out. After all these steps, we think is the right time that if you want to 
put out an apology or say, I'm sorry, that's really the moment that it'll be received and be more valuable, but only after you've closed this loop and completed your argument hangover emotionally. Mm, Okay. So for my note takers listening, number one is reflect after number two is figure out where you have responsibility. Number three is reconnect. Remind us what reconnect means like with them or with yourself. It's reconnecting with each other. This is where you're coming together after kind of doing that solo reflection and you're sharing where you're taking responsibility. You're sharing where you see their perspective or where you didn't validate them before. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. And then the remind is like, you kind of had mentioned that one is like taking responsibility of like, I did this and I'm reminding you that I'm not going to do that. Or tell me that one, one more time. Yeah. It's like reminding each other of your commitment to each other and your agreements. Okay. Beautiful. And then reconciling. I absolutely love this. Is there anything I haven't asked you guys about unhealthy, healthy conflict, argument hangovers that you think we could leave our listeners just with, you know, based on all of this work that you've done? Gosh, I mean, again, do you have a few more hours, but really you've asked such great questions. And the last thing I would say is, you know, we live in a culture and in social media, but also in life, what do people say when you ask them, Oh, how are you guys? And you go, Oh, we're fine. even if they just got into a disagreement. And so what's challenging is you can feel like it's just you. You can feel like it's, you're the one having these power struggles. You're the one having all these tension and disagreements. And that means something's wrong because your friend maybe isn't as open about what's going on. And of Mm. course people are only posting the celebratory (laughs) moments on Instagram. I can't tell you how many people we see their last post is a happy family picture and they're DMing us with like, we need a session, this happened. So people aren't often sharing authentically the challenges, meaning you're not alone. It is happening. Most couples, 99.9% of couples that we talk to, even ones who've done a ton of self-development, who've worked on themselves a lot, have conflict. So your goal is not to feel guilty or feel like anything's wrong when it happens. It's to learn to, as we, our book says, fight smarter so that it is a bonding opportunity and only strengthens you too. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. This has been such an incredible conversation. Where can everybody find you if they want to keep learning from you guys? Oh, thank you for asking. Well, the big thing right now is the book. Uh, I mean, if anyone resonates with this, we scratched the surface on what we cover in the argument hangover. And of course you can buy that at any retailer. You would just search the argument hangover. But if you actually go to our webpage, we are giving away $200 of free bonus gifts, including two trainings that are very high quality. I mean, we get very tangible and it's also entertaining to watch. So those are (laughs) courses we're giving for free and that's at theargumenthangover.com. You just enter in your receipt number to claim the bonuses. And then we're super social on Instagram. We respond to all the DMs. Like we're very interactive and we post fun and empowering relationship content. And that's meet the Freemans, M-E-E-T, the Freemans. And yeah, so Instagram and then the book are the best places. Wonderful. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having us. Great questions. Yeah. Thanks, Ashley. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the U-Turn podcast. In the meantime, if you heard about any resource that you're interested in from one of our guests, you can find it listed in our show notes on the podcast tab of my website, ashleystahl.com. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L. 
www.thrivingmomsmentorship.com. On that page, you'll also see our free quiz to help you discover what career path you're actually meant for. And of course, we cannot thank you enough for written podcast reviews. I read every single one. I get so motivated from reading your words and it just means the world to me that you take a moment if you have an apple device and you write an actual review for me thank you so much for doing that appreciate you being here and cannot wait to connect with you next week This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join podcast royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.